And I remember that guy when he was running around the toddler nursery. <laughs> oh, I could tell you some stories, folks. I mean, I could tell you some stories about Daniel. We'll leave those unsaid, all right? I'll just tell Joy sometime and not nobody else, okay? Daniel, nice to have you back, brother. We've been missing you, praying for you, praying for your wife, praying for Daniela. Glad you're back with us tonight, too. Praise the Lord, okay? I've said this to others, but I mean it, when I say it, I mean it sincerely. It just, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like Harvest Hills Baptist Church when you're not here. That's just the way it is, okay? And I know that's, I've said that to several, and I really sincerely mean that. I mean, there's just people that when they're not here, it's like, boy, this is, something's wrong. This is, this is not good, but glad you're back. We've been praying much for you. Take your Bibles and go to our text tonight, if you will, please. First Peter chapter 5, First Peter chapter 5. Our verses for today, you remember, first of all, James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then another one of our passages we looked at was Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. Uh, I'll not quote all the verses, but you know how it starts. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Those verses that follow with the armor of God given to us piece by piece that God provides for us, but we have to put it on. And the key word there, of course, was to stand and withstand. And then we go to our text, which is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. And we read these words, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren which are in the world. We looked at the first two A's this morning. First of all, we looked at our adversary. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, your enemy, your opponent, the devil. So who is he? Satan. What does he do? He walks about as a roaring lion, a hungry lion seeking whom he may devour. He's our adversary, not just God's adversary. He's our adversary. So then the second point was our action. What are we supposed to do? Well, be sober, be serious-minded, be self-disciplined. Be vigilant, be watchful, be on the alert. And then he says, resist, steadfast. Not just resist him, but stand against him. And stand against him like a block of soldiers that are not planning to be moved. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. And we ended there this morning in the faith. It refers to the believers, our faith. Our standing firm, not in ourselves, not in our own strategy, not anything that we could really think of to outsmart him. But we stand in the word of God. We stand firm on the word of God. Like the Lord Jesus Christ who gives us the perfect example. Tempted three times as recorded in Matthew chapter 4. And all three times he answered Satan's temptations with those three words, it is written, and he quoted scripture. Dr. John MacArthur uh, had a very interesting quote in his uh, commentary on 1 Peter. He said this, The way to resist the devil is not with special formulas or words directed at him and his demons. Let me stop for just a moment because many years ago, probably back in the, what, 60s and 70s, there was a very popular book written, Dealing with the Devil. I think it was by C.S. Lovett, but I'm not totally sure. It wasn't C.S. Lewis, but I think it was C.S. Lovett, but I could be wrong. 
But it was a book entitled Dealing with the Devil, and it was all about how to overcome Satan by talking to him, commanding him around. I didn't agree with the book then, I don't agree with it now, and obviously John MacArthur doesn't either. The way to resist the devil, he says, is not with special formulas or words directed at him and his demons, but rather by remaining firm in the Christian faith. This means to continue to live in accord with the truth of God's word as the believer knows sound doctrine and obeys God's truth, Satan is withstood. And so once again, we close the message this morning with that challenge again that we must learn the Bible. We cannot say it is written and use the scripture to hold back Satan's attacks and stand firm if we don't even know what's written. The last point of the message we preach tonight, and that is the third A is our assurance. What is our assurance? Well, first of all, remember that God's promise to us is that we do, if we do resist Satan, that he will flee from us. Now, God doesn't say that he's going to flee once and for all. He doesn't say he'll never come back. But remember the verse there in James 4, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen now, that promise is just as sure as the promise John 3.16. We quote that verse almost Sunday, usually on Sunday morning, but I think it'd be good for us as believers to quote it again tonight, please, because it is a promise from God, and it works. It is true, all right, together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You say, I love that promise. I cling to that verse. That is my assurance of salvation. And you can take any salvation verse you want to as the basis of your salvation and say, I am just as saved as I know God's word is true. I have so many, I can't even quote them all. But I mean, I don't want to take time to quote. I'll just probably be my favorite passage, okay? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Those are two wonderful salvation verses. And you can have John 3, 14, 15, 16, John 3, 36, or John 5, 24, 6, 30, and the list goes on. But, but you know, some, some just some, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. You like Acts 16, 31, the Philippian jailer said, well, men and brethren, what must I do to be saved? And he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. I mean, there are so many, but the, the thing is here, we say, look, I know I'm saved because God says it and God doesn't lie. Then you've got all these other promises that we, we cling to, like if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins as believers, you know, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Say, I love that verse. I cling to that promise. Oh, what about Matthew 6, 33? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be. Yeah, I love that verse. I cling to that verse. Oh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct the price. We have all these verses and all these different topics that it seems so easy to claim and say, I know that's true because God said so. Then you come to James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God the devil, and well, I'm not really sure about this now. No, we should be just as sure about this as we are that we're saved. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
That's a promise from the Lord. In fact, back in Matthew 4, after we have the story of Jesus' temptations and his victory over Satan three times, you find these words. Then the devil, do I have it written down? Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Then the devil leaveth him. After three times he resists, quoting scripture, then the devil leaveth him, and angels came and ministered to him. And that is a good pattern again. Jesus gives us the example of how to resist Satan, and God gives us, I think, a good example, or an illustration, rather, of how it works, because now the devil leaves him and says, I'm out of here, and angels come and minister to him. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Go back to our text in 1 Peter chapter 5. You say, well, I don't see anything in there about, about he's going he's gonna to flee from us. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he is walking about continually. He is seeking whom he may devour. God says, whom you resist steadfast in the This next thing, just a little bit. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren which are in the world. But look at verse 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I'm not going to preach on verse 10, but it does go along with the fact that when God says we should be sober, we should be always on the lookout, be very suspicious and cautious. Because Satan is prowling around. He is stalking his prey. And God says, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to resist him in the faith. That is obviously employed. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, that's what I'm looking for. Assumed that that means there's victory. I mean, when God tells us we need to resist him in the faith, he doesn't say, because if you do that, there's a possibility it's not going to work. But anyway, I suggest you do that. No, it's just, it's just the way that God says, look, you just do what I tell you to do. I will take care of you. And I think he cements that again in verse, in verse number 10. So we have the first assurance is that God has promised that he will deliver us if we do what he says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Then we've got this phrase in verse 9. You ever thought about this? Whom resist steadfast in the faith. What do you do with this? knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, folks, God tells us that. To That's another word of assurance, that we're not the only one going through this. We're encouraged to know that fellow believers have and are going through the same temptations, the same testings from Satan. There's another verse in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, which is a great parallel verse. If this was Wednesday night or Sunday school class, I would say without using your Bible or your cell phone or whatever else you have in your hand, can anybody quote 1 Corinthians 10, 13? And I know some hands would go up. I'm sure they would. Here's how the verse starts. Would you like to start it? Thank you, Darla, for there hath no temptation taken you but such as is Common to man, what does that mean? Just what he says here. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, For there hath no temptation taken you, no testing taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with a temptation also make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. But that verse, how does it start? 
No, you're not the only one that's going, knowing this. I mean, somebody else has gone through this. Somebody else has that same temptation. Others have had the same trials, the same attacks from Satan, and they have survived, and so can we. Somebody says, well, I think what that means is basically, good paraphrase, misery loves company. That's, that's really not the idea here. It's not like I know you're miserable when Satan attacks you, but just look up, look around, because you know, there's other people going through the same thing. And so in your misery, just remember, misery just loves company. I don't think it's about misery loving company. I think it's the fact that we are to be encouraged as we see that other people have and are going through these same temptations from Satan. There's a couple of things we need to remember. First of all, we're not going through this spiritual warfare because God is angry with us. Well, God must be really angry with me because of what I'm going through. We're not going through the spiritual warfare because, because God has forgotten us. God doesn't know what I'm going through. God has obviously forgotten me. Now, I quoted to Betty again this afternoon, the verse in Hebrews, where God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never forget his child. We are never forgotten by God. And I think sometimes when we undergo some, we know it's a testing, we know Satan's behind it in some way. Sometimes it's easy to get overwhelmed because we say, you know, I'm the only one going through this. Nobody else knows what I'm going through. Nobody else experiences this. And you feel so alone, you feel so lonely, so alone, and God says, no, no, listen, listen, it's not like I've forgotten you. It's not like I don't know what's going on in your life and you're really alone. No, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Think of Joshua 1.9, have not I commanded to be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord is with thee, with us wherever thou goest. So don't be thinking that God's angry with you. Don't be thinking that, uh, that God has forgotten you. And then don't be thinking that, that you're singled out by God because you must, you must have some major problem in your life. You must not be as, as superior. Must, maybe you're not as, as godly. You're not as strong as Christian as, as all the Christians in the world. And so you begin to see yourself. And I think even in these things, you know, I don't want to stop and park here, but even in these things, I think we can see the, the potential working of Satan here because what is he? We said this morning, what does the word diabolus mean? It means a slanderer. He's an accuser. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And sometimes, you've heard this, sometimes we are our own greatest enemy because we begin to think things about ourselves and we keep putting ourselves down. We get smaller and smaller and smaller. We get more and more fearful. We get more paralyzed. We get more confused. We get more frustrated. And finally, you just kind of want to just give up and just quit, you know, and throw in the towel and leave it all. And God says, no, 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 why? Why are you thinking that about yourself? Because Satan says, yeah, this is true of you. This is true of you. You did this and you did this and you were thinking this and you did, you know, it's like, you're nothing. And you begin to think, oh, yeah, I guess I'm going through this because I really am nothing. Now, listen, we are what we are by the grace of God. And as we said this morning, there's none of us, none of us. Again, that in our visit this afternoon over at Betty's, this came up in our, in our conversation with there, you know. Listen, none of us, there's never, there never has been, there never will be, there is, not, is, there is not now anybody perfect on planet earth except one exception and his name is Jesus Christ. But be careful that we don't let Satan come in like a roaring lion and defeat us because we get thinking, I must be the only one going through this. God says, no, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren which are in the world. So we can be victorious because others have been victorious. 
That's why I love to read Hebrews chapter 11 concerning faith. That, that great, grand, and glorious faith chapter in Ephesians 11, where, where God gives one after another these heroes of faith. And you know, I was listening the other day, I think it was, I'm not sure, it might have been Adrian Rogers. I was just hearing somebody on, on KQCV or KCCV or whatever the thing is, anyway, bot radio. And, and, and he was saying, folks, how, how hard is this? No, it wasn't. It was, uh, uh, what's the guy's name in the morning at 7.30? Um, Alistair Begg. And I've only heard him a few times. But he said, folks, this thing of faith is not that hard. You want to know what faith's all about? Just go to Hebrews 11. It's really simple. God said something to different people like he says something to you. Number two, you hear what God says like these people in Hebrews 11 heard what God said. Number three, they chose to believe that what God said was really true. You can do that. And then number four, they simply acted upon what God told them to do because they knew that God spoke to them. They understood what he said. They believed that it was true. And therefore, on the basis of the integrity, the character of God and his word, they just simply obeyed. How hard could it be? And I thought, boy, I've preached that so many times in church. It's so true. And we look at these different examples of faith and we say, look, really, how hard can it be? Just get the Bible, study the Bible, just do what God says, just live by faith. Well, it's kind of the same thing here. We, 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 we grow in faith by reading the stories of others who've walked in faith, and we can do the same thing regarding Satan's attacks. Listen, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. A lion, he walks around seeking whom may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren. Others are going through the same thing, and they are being victorious. So can we. By the way, this is how I convinced myself to ride on these rides at these big amusement parks. I'm not talking about Frontier City, although there's a couple there that are kind of challenging too. But how many of you have been like the Six Flags over Georgia or Six Flags over St. Louis or Six Flags over Texas, you know, or Worlds of Fun? Some of these big... Uh, what's the one up north in Cleveland? Some of these big, huge uh, amusement parks, and, and you stand and you look at these rides. Listen, listen. When, I, when I'm in these places and I decide, I look at this big, huge roller coaster. Now, now folks, I like that kind that go upside down and those kind of things. I mean, I, I like those. Uh, the kind that I don't like is when they go upside down, and, upside down and you hang there for a while. I don't really care about those. I don't mind going through the loop real fast, and I don't mind going through the loop all the way to the end and coming back through the loop backwards. That's kind of fun, too. I really don't mind those, those high roller coasters, the really high ones, you know, on the, you hear the boards clicking and clicking. I don't mind those. I don't like the ones that go underground and they go so fast you don't know which way they're going to turn next. Man, those are tough for me. But when there's a ride that I'm not sure I want to ride, and I've kind of started not going on all of them. Does that make you feel badly when I say that? Okay. But, but when I stand and think, do I want to go on that? I do the same thing every time. First of all, I look for the youngest child. As, they, as the ride, you know, as it comes in and people start getting off, I think, you know, hey, look, if he can do it, I can do it. I mean, if, if that little kid can do it, I can do it. I'm a man. I'm a some little kid. And then I'll tell you what I really do look for. Don't get upset. I look for the oldest, most feeble-looking lady I can find. I mean, I do. I stand there and I look and say, okay, who's coming off this ride? And I look for the oldest, most feeble-looking lady that I can find. Like maybe when she gets off, she's going to get back in her wheelchair. You know what I mean? And I just look and, I'm th and I think, you're telling me, Larry, that you're afraid to ride this ride? 
I mean, come on, what kind of guy are you? Look at her. I don't say it out loud, of course, and I'm thinking, okay, listen, if she can do it, I can do it. And I'll stay in line and go ride to ride and hope that I'm smiling when I come off. No matter what she looked like, at least she survived. Okay, you know what I'm saying? All right. Now, I think that's kind of the idea here is, hey, you want to help yourself? You want to be encouraged? God gives you some assurance. Hey, look, others are riding a ride. You can ride it too. You're not the only one in this thing. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, with herself thou goest. And here he says, look, just resist steadfast the devil. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that others have and are going through the same thing. And they are surviving, and you can too. Another word of assurance here. Don't ever forget 1 John 4, 4. Would you turn to 1 John 4 for just a moment, please? 1 John chapter 4. Don't ever forget the message of 1 John Chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, just 1 through 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Well, how are you supposed to know the difference? What's a true prophet? What's a false prophet? Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Notice what he says, and this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now, listen, it is already in the world. The spirit of Antichrist, not the Antichrist necessarily, but the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. And he says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Why? Because greater, can you say the rest with me, please? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have to believe that. The one who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. The one who is in us is greater than the one, and I've mentioned this twice in the message this morning, all right? He's called, Satan is called the God of this world. He's called the prince of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air. But no matter what he's like, God still says, don't ever forget that he who is in us is greater than than he that is in the world. Just a couple quick thoughts. Number one, Satan is not omnipotent like God. But obviously his power, he's obviously, his power obviously, I believe, is above our imagination. We don't know how powerful he is. I mean, just look around and see all that he's done in the world. Look around and see all that he's doing today. He is extremely powerful. But don't forget when you start thinking about, oh, Satan is so powerful, I don't think that. Just remember, no, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Satan is not omnipresent like God. What's omnipresent? Everywhere present. He's not present everywhere at the same time like God is. But he must have an innumerable innumerable, uh, number of demons that assist him, millions, because they're in every continent at the same time. They're in every country at the same time. In our country, they're in every state at the same time. They're in every city at the same time. They're in every village, little town at the same time. I mean, they are everywhere at the same time. You say, yeah, I just feel like I'm, I'm, like I'm surrounded by demons and there's no hope for me. Listen, no, listen. When you start thinking about Satan, remember, look, he, he has a lot of demons and they're everywhere, but he's not omnipresent like God. And along with that, 
greater is he that is in me than he or they even that are in the world. Number three, Satan is not omniscient like God. His knowledge obviously is beyond our comprehension. You say, well, I think I know about as much as devil because we've got Google now. You're, you're out of your mind. You and I do not have any kind of knowledge that would be compared with Satan's knowledge, but he is not omniscient. He does not know everything. His knowledge is limited. He does know exactly, I believe, how to best attack us. I believe he knows the, 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 the right times to attack us. There are some things that I do in my life purposely because I know when I do these things, it helps me spiritually, and I believe it helps me fight off Satan's attacks. Now, we can't, we can't control everything about this, but I think it, it, surely you've learned by now that Satan loves to attack when we are down, when we're really down physically, when we're down emotionally, when we're overtired. Maybe perhaps we've been eating wrongly or we haven't been having much exercise or we, or we haven't been sleeping hardly at all, whatever else. Now, if you can't help it, you can't help it. But if we can help it, that's our problem. Okay. But I, you and I know that Satan really, when did Satan attack Jesus in Matthew, in Matthew 4? When he was out in the wilderness and had nothing to eat or drink, very little to eat or drink for, what, 40 days. And you can, do a, you can do a little Bible study if you want to, and you will find out. You don't have to go too far if you realize that when, when people are down, Satan will come in like a roaring lion. And sometimes, hey, listen, not every time, but sometimes when you are just physically sick, when you're just, you're, you're, just, you're sick, you're in bed because you're sick, it's like, okay, look out, because those are tough times many times. Not always, but many times they are. But just remember, he has knowledge about when to attack, he knows how best to attack us. He will attack you in different ways than he will attack me. He knows where we're liable. He knows where he can get in a little foothold. But don't forget, don't focus on him. We'll say about some more about this in a, bit, a little bit too. But just don't keep focusing on Satan thinking, oh, yeah, you know, he's just so, he's so powerful. And, and, and he's, he's like everywhere present, kind of like almost, you know. And, and he knows so much. No, no, no. Yeah, he really knows me and all that. No, just be thinking, no, greater is he that is in me that he that is in the world. Number three, Satan is a defeated foe. Do you realize that? We need to remember that. He is a defeated foe. Satan will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Genesis 3.15 is where it all started. When Lucifer tempted Adam and Eve and was successful, what did God say to him? And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise, it, the seed of the woman, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Would you, have your, would you rather have your head beat up or your heel, okay? Satan was defeated when Jesus Christ was crucified. Genesis 3.15. Would you turn quickly, please, to John chapter 16, the gospel of John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his soon departure. And the main thing he tells them is that when he leaves, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is going to come, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient, it is profitable, it is beneficial for you that I go away. 
You don't think so, but it is. It's for your good. It's for your benefit. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Look what he says in verse 11. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. When was he judged? Judged when Jesus Christ came and lived a sinless life and went to the cross and died for sinners. The prince of this world is judged. Would you go quickly please to Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. couple of men that were inspired and led by Satan, the beast and the false prophet. Look at verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, the beast, with which he deceived them. Of course, he deceived his all. It's all of Satan. Which deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. Those, or these rather, both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. So the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. And then look at verse chapter 20. Chapter 20, please, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having a key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. After that, he must be loosed just for a little while, for a little season. And now, if you will, please go to chapter 20 and look at verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever. That's a thousand years later now. Satan is cast into the lake of fire. He will be there forever. The false prophet is still there. The other one is still there. Both the beast and the false prophet are still there. They're still in torture. They're still being tormented for a thousand years. And the devil and the beast and the false prophet, God says, they are going to be tormented day and night forever. Now listen, you say, well, I've done some reading and I've done some studying and I've seen some movies. Watch out for the movies. They'll mess you up every time. I've seen some movies where, where Satan was the, the leader in hell. He's the commander of hell. Now listen, there's no place in the Bible where Satan is magnified as the leader in hell. As far as we know, Satan, like everybody else in hell, will be tormented day and night forever and ever, period. He's not heading up the show in hell. But he's there. He's a defeated foe. And by the way, we can defeat him in our lives too. Just by doing what God says in James 4, Ephesians 6, and 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Just two brief points and we're finished. I do not believe that a, de that a Christian can be demon-possessed. I do, I do not believe that demons can possess a person who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But I believe that demons can be, I, I believe that Christians can be oppressed 
They can be oppressed of Satan, but not possessed of Satan. But I will tell you this. It's not wise for us to be obsessed with Satan. We don't need to think of him too often. We don't need to do any extra reading or studying on him. I don't ever suggest that you go to a library and get a bunch of books on the occult. You don't really want to fill your mind with these things. And I've mentioned this before, I know. But I learned this from Brother Brian's dad in Bible Doctrines at Bob Jones University. When Jack Tillman was my Bible Doctrines teacher, and we studied in one year, we studied all the major doctrines of the Bible. And I remember as a junior in college, Mr. Tillman saying, we're going to study Satanology now, demonology, Satanology. But we're not going to spend a lot of time on this doctrine. All we need to know, here's the key, he said, all we need to know is what the scripture says about him and we don't need to try to find out anymore. We just need to go to the scriptures and find out, okay, who is Satan? From the scriptures, what does he do? What is he like? And from the scriptures, how can we know enough about him from the scriptures to know how to deal with him to, to, to help ourselves when he does his work in our lives. So we're going to learn who is Satan, what is he like, what does he try to do, and how do we feed him, and we're going to go to the next doctrine. That's really all that we need. And then he said, young people, do not, as I just told you, do not get so obsessed with Satan that he becomes so big in your mind that it's like God number two. Don't ever let that happen. You keep your eyes upon the Lord. You keep your focus on the scriptures. You think about God the Father. You think about God the Son. You think about God the Holy Spirit, who they are, who he is, what they do, what they're like, and how do you relate to them in your life. And you don't have to keep thinking about Satan. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? Can you say the rest of it with me? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's a rhetorical question, expecting the obvious answer. No one, including Satan. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? No one, including Satan. So don't get your mind too much focused on Satan. Get your mind focused upon the Lord. And then closing tonight, like the situation in Job, I believe that Satan and whatever he tries to do in our lives, whatever temptations or testings he throws at us, I believe Satan can go no further than God allows. Isn't that one of the lessons in Job? God, listen, whatever Satan did, he did with permission of God, but God said, you're not going any further. And that's important for us to remember. We don't always understand why do we even have to endure? Why do we even have to experience these temptations from, from Satan? Well, obviously, God allows us in his will. God allows us to go through these things. But it's not like we should never think this thing's just out of control. No, no. It's all because don't forget now, the sovereign God is over everyone and everything, including Satan. I'm not sure I'm going to do this, but I... I have been working on a message from the verse before verses 8 and 9. Does anybody know 1 Peter? Probably got your Bible. Does anybody know 1 Peter 5, 7? Casting all your care upon him for, together, he careth for you. God 
we are a concern to God. God cares about us. And the God who loves us, who has saved us and cares for us, he will not allow Satan to do anything more than that which he is allowed to do in the will of God. Would you bow your heads, please, if you will, tonight? I just ask you before we pray, would you think about what you've heard this morning and tonight, not adding any word to it, a very simple, clear, powerful message from God's word. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren which are in the world. Our Father, we None of us take any delight. We never get excited about having to deal with Satan who comes at us at different times from many different directions. But we thank you, Father, that we have in your word the way that we can defeat him. Once again, as this has come up in so many messages, it's about you, but it's not just about you because you've given to us personal responsibility that we are to be sure that we are sober, sober. That we, Father, are to be sure that we are on the alert, vigilant. That we must determine that we will resist Satan as you've told us to. Well, Father, how thankful we are tonight that above all, you said, if you do that, he will flee from you. Help us, I pray, therefore, to take glory in your power and you and what you do. And I pray again, Father, that whenever we look back after any situation and see that was definitely an attack from Satan or that seems like that was a satanic attack, we might never take glory or praise in ourselves for overcoming, but we'll know that it came because we submitted ourselves to you. And again, you kept your promise. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?